Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void where prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Hello again, friends, and welcome on into episode 22 of The Sco Show. My name is Mark Schofield, back in the big chair for today, Wednesday, October 2nd, 2019. Got a great show for you today. We'll get to that in a minute. But remember, The Sco Show, it is probably a part of the Pat's Pulpit Podcast Network. If you're listening to this show, there are shows like this all over the Pat's Pulpit Podcast Network, from Patriot Nation with Pat Lane and Ryan Spagnoli to the flagship show, the Pat's Pulpit Podcast, Alex Shane, Rich Hill. So remember, please subscribe to this show wherever you get your podcast. Subscribe to the Pat's Pulpit Podcast Network to make sure you don't miss a thing that we're doing here at Pat's Pulpit. Today's show, Evan Lazar, some quality time with the CLNS media reporter. We're going to talk about the Patriots, some expectations we had preseason, how those may have changed. We're going to talk a little bit about the Buffalo game, a little bit about Washington, but I got a tremendous amount of listener questions, which we're going to get to as well. Also, I'm going to answer a couple of those questions because they were really good, and I wanted to chime in on them as well. But before we do any of that, your usual reminders. Please do follow on at Twitter, at Mark Schofield. You can check out the work places inside the pylon.com, Matt Waldman's rookie scouting portfolio, Pro Football Weekly, and yes, those three SB Nation websites, Big Blue View, where I've got a piece up right now on their defense. I'm going to see them in a week. Bleeding Green Nation, where I co-host the QB Sco Show with Michael J. Kist. And of course, here, Pat's Pulpit, where I'm doing film reviews and more for the Pat's Pulpit Podcast Network and the Pat's Pulpit website itself. Let's talk some questions here. And as I alluded to a second ago, we're going to have a lot of listener questions. We have a lot of listener questions for quality time with Evan Lazar here in a second. But a couple of those I wanted to chime in on. And the first one, all of these came in via the Scotia Slack channel, which again, you can join. This is yet another pitch. Come on, be a part of the fun. Hit me up for an invite at Mark Schofield on Twitter or mark.schofield at insidethepylon.com. The first one came from Amorellian via the Scotia Slack channel. And he wanted to know, and we'll ask Evan this in a second, what do the Patriots have to hang their sort of hat on, on both sides of the ball? Now we're through four games. And I think offensively, it's kind of easy. It's still Tom Brady. I know that people might have some hesitation about the passing game after what we saw in Buffalo. But I can tell you from experience that just because Tom Brady struggles against the Buffalo Bills doesn't mean that this offense in this passing game can't get going when they need to because again I fell into that trap last year after week 16 I questioned whether the passing game could be good enough to succeed in the playoffs given what we saw them do against Buffalo 
basically twice, but especially in that Week 16 game. And certainly the postseason proved me wrong. We saw them put up numbers when they needed to against the Chargers. We saw them put up numbers when they needed to against Kansas City Chiefs in the AFC Championship game. And so as long as you've got TB12, you've got a shot. There are certainly some questions and some concerns. The run game, receivers outside of Gordon and Edelman, maybe you put Dorsett into that mix. But I take Sunday as a bit of an aberration. Now, Evan's going to tell us in a moment that there were still some opportunities for this passing game to be successful against the Bills. So there is that to watch, but I don't think it's panic time quite yet. On the defensive side of the ball, I think it's versatility. I think this defense is so versatile at all three levels of the defense that they could mix and match the way they like to do on offense. If you think about the New England Patriots and Josh McDaniels and Tom Brady and how they like to attack defenses, so much of it is matchup-based. They isolate a linebacker or a coverage player that they want to exploit in a one-on-one matchup. They use motion, formation, shift, and route concepts, whatever, to get that one-on matchup they think works in their favor, and then they take advantage of the situation. The Patriots can do that now on defense. You can mix and match in the secondary. So you've got versatile players that fill different roles. An all-around stud shut down corner in Stephon Gilmore. A guy like Jonathan Jones with some quickness. A guy like Jason McCourty with some quickness and some veteran savvy. J.C. Jackson, who can be sort of that catch-all type guy that you can use in different situations. He can be a boundary corner. He can be a slot corner. You can move him all over the place. And obviously the safeties and Patrick Chun, Devin McCourty, Deron Harmon. They can play matchups in the secondary now. They can play matchups at the second level. The athleticism of Jamie Collins, the athleticism of Kyle Van Noy, the instincts and the interior ability of an Alandon Roberts, Juwan Bentley, a Donta Hightower, even the contributions they're getting from John Simon. And even up front, you can pick your spots with a guy like Michael Bennett or Chase Winovich. You can move them around. You're getting such great production from guys on the inside. Danny Shelton, Adam Butler, who again, working his way to the meat hall tables. And Lawrence Guy. This defense is so versatile, they can play matchups on the defensive side of the ball, which is almost unheard of. And yes, there will be opportunities for the offense to sort of counteract that and try to exploit some matchups. But this group is so talented at all three levels that they have the ability to get matchups they like and to exploit them. And so those are the things. Tom Brady on the offensive side of the ball, and it's an easy sort of cop-out answer there. But their defensive versatility, that are the things they can hang their hat on right now. Now remember... Bill Belichick wants to have his team playing their best in November and December. So the fact that we're 4-0 in September as the calendar flips to October is a good sign for where this football team wants to be because they're still working at the team they want to become. And to that point, we've got another great question from Andy Likens about our conceptions or preconceived notions about this offense and training camp and whether our expectations have been met. And you'll hear, again, on both of all these questions, you'll hear Evan in a moment, but I, I did want to chime in on them. And if you think back to the end of the regular season and the postseason, the Super Bowl and the training camp process, there was a sort of set of expectations that this might be a 21 personnel team. We're going to hear some numbers about that from Evan Lazar in a moment that I think have skewed our perception of this team. But I think right now, they're not really a 21 personnel team. I think they're more of a 20 personnel team. I think that's where they want to be right now. And that may change this week. You get Benjamin Watson back, maybe you feel a bit better about your tight end position. And so you might see more 21. You might see a lot more 11. 
But I think now they want to be a 20 personnel team. I think they like the idea of White and Burkett out of the backfield at the same time. They like the flexibility that gives them. They're replacing some tight end production with running backs. And I think the three wide receiver look with Gordon and hopefully a healthy Julian Edelman and Phil Dorsett is kind of where they want to be. And so we went into this season thinking this is a 21 personnel, James Devlin, Sony Michelle, run the football type of team, establish the run a little bit, and then throw it off of play action. We've seen them do some of that. Again, the play action numbers with Sony Michelle have been impressive. But this is still a passing league. And I think at its core, this is still a passing offense. And I think where they want to be right now is sort of this pony package, 20 personnel group, throwing it to the backs, taking shots downfield, working the run game here and there, doing some 21 personnel stuff, doing some 10 stuff. But at their core, I think they're more of a 20 team. Again, that could change in a week. That could change in a day. By the time you hear this, you might have Bill Belichick at the mic saying, no, we're going to be an 11 personnel team now. We get Watson back in the fold. That's sort of the difficulty in a sense of covering this team is that they can change on a whim because of their versatility. Now on the defensive side of the ball, as we were just talking about, but of course, primarily on the offensive side of the ball. This is a matchup game. This is a matchup league. You want to identify and exploit those mismatches when you can. And so the Patriots will have that versatility to change. And heck, they probably have already changed as we've highlighted from the 21 personnel team we saw at the end of last year to a 20 10 even personnel team we've seen so far this season. But that's here on October 2nd. Ask me on November 2nd, on December 2nd, on January 2nd, and hopefully on February 2nd as well. But enough for me. Up next, some quality time with Evan Lazar from CLNS Media. We're going to talk about some of this stuff. We're going to talk some more stuff. His favorite Belichick answers of all time that he's gotten from the coach and some expectations for Washington. That's all ahead on episode 22, the double deuce of the Sco Show. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. And welcome back to episode 22 of the SCO Show, probably a part of the Pat's Pulpit Podcast Network and brought to you by the fine folks at SB Nation. It's time for quality time. And we have a repeat guest today. You know him. He covers the Patriots for CLNS Media. He is a repeat guest. He's, again, by request, which is fantastic to see. The people love some of the guests I've had on. He is Mr. Evan Lazar, who does cover the Patriots. Evan, buddy, how you doing? I'm doing well. By request. Wow. I got, by request. I got fans out there. You have fans. There have been three people that have been requested. There have been Brandon Thorne, the offensive line guy, Taylor Kyles, and yourself. I mean, so that's pretty company. good company, I'd say, yeah. man. Yeah, I mean, I love Taylor. I, uh, you know, me and him bounce ideas off of each other all the time when it comes to film stuff. And uh, and Brandon's, I can't speak highly enough of his offensive line, uh, especially. His, you know, he's like you're to quarterbacks like he is to offensive line. You know, that, that guy's a genius. 
Yeah, he he is a genius. I mean, I feel like, and I've done this before at the Senior Bowl. Like, I just stand next to him and just like see what he looks at. Yeah, because I like know next to nothing about offensive line, and he knows more than I ever will. And so, yeah, he's just try to soak up as much as I can from him. But that's great category, man. That's great company to yeah, be in. I'll take it for sure. I'm, definitely. So I, I wanted to start here, and I don't want to dwell too much on this Buffalo game, just because I kind of want to move on from it. Yeah, but I did want to at least ask you here at the outset, like, what was your major takeaway from this game Sunday? Well, you know, it's funny because after I watched the game live on Sunday, I thought, man, that Buffalo defense really just completely shut the Patriots' offense down, which it did. You know, I'm not trying to take anything away from the Buffalo defense, but then I watched the coaches' film last night and published a film review this morning, and there were some plays out there that the Patriots had opportunities to make. But for whatever reason, something in the, you know, 10 things that could go wrong, a handful of them went wrong on any given play. You know, there's an open receiver at the sticks on third down, but Brady's under fire. You know, there's 10 guys in his face or there's, uh, you know, an open receiver and Brady had a couple of plays out there that I think he missed some guys on. And, you know, the play calling in certain situations wasn't great. So I came away from the review of the game saying, all right, you know, definitely a bad game offensively, definitely a great game and very well coached game by the bills their game plan was fantastic they had everything kind of they were prepared for everything they came out of the gate playing a lot more man coverage which i think surprised the patriots a little bit Uh, and they overall just a fantastic plan by them but i came away thinking you know once they get these pieces kind of in more in rhythm and more in sync with one another there's gonna be plays out there for the offense to make so you don't sort of share the concern that some have right now about this offense. You think that between the Bills and their defense and between some missed opportunities, the offense is going to be fine, provided they don't have to play the Bills next week, perhaps. <laughs> yeah, look, I mean, there wasn't. it wasn't like there was free receivers running all over the field and they just, they just couldn't get the model. It was going to be a grinded-out game, even if the Patriots did make some of those plays. But I think the biggest thing is, is that – when you have some of those plays available to you against a really good defense, you got to make those plays count. You know, you can't leave all those types of plays on the field. Like, for example, Brady's interception, Josh Gordon's open on the fade. Like, he, mm-hmm. if he just holds that ball for just an extra, you know, millisecond and sees Gordon get over the top on the fade route, that's the difference between seven points and zero points in that situation. So when you play a really good defense like that, you can't leave those types of plays out on the field. And the Patriots left the, you know, half a dozen or, you know, whatever it was, plays that they could have made. They left them out on the field, and that's when you get 7-3 and outs and 16 points and, and you know, really ugly performance. You know, since you were a listener request, I have a ton of listener questions, which we'll work through now. And the first one, and all of these come via the Sco Show Slack channel, which again, you can join. Hit me up on Twitter at Mark Schofield for an invite, friends. And this comes from Amorellian. What can the Patriots hang their hat on after the first four games of the season, both offensively and defensively? Well, I think offensively, and, you know, it really kind of depends on his health, but the Brady to Edelman connection is still something I think that they're going to have all year long. And when it counts the most, obviously down in January and down the stretch of the season, those two guys, when Edelman has been right, have been pretty much automatic in a lot of phases. So I think that they're going to always have that. I also think that 
they're still trying to figure out how to use Josh Gordon in some ways. And Josh McDaniels hinted at that this morning on the conference call that he's got to do a better job of getting the ball in Josh Gordon's hands in ways that he can make plays that aren't, you know, these three for seven performances like he had three catches, seven targets on Sunday. So I think that those two guys, Edelman and Gordon, are still going to be guys that they can rely upon week in and week out offensively. Defensively, I think the biggest thing that they've relied on really since last year and this year is the secondary. That secondary, I mean, you go watch the tape of this Bills game, there's nobody open on a lot of these plays. And I know Josh Allen, it felt like Josh Allen was hanging on to the ball for a really long time, which he was, but he was hanging on to the ball because they were really trying to mix up the picture for him, both pre-snap and post-snap. And then once he figured out what it was, there was nobody open anyways to get the ball to. So this secondary allows the Patriots, in my opinion, to really open up in the front seven and run those games that they like to run and run the cover zero blitzes and get pressure on the quarterback because they know that they can cover with five on the back end. Next question comes to us from Andy Likens again via the Slack channel. What's been the biggest shift formation-wise on defense this season? I think that that's a good question. I think that Jamie Collins is kind of reemergence here and, and reunion if you will, has allowed them to go into more of a base package at times because they have a guy like Collins who's so freakishly athletic that they can have him play like a halfway nickel role as almost a slot defender or they can have him play on the ball, off the ball. And what it allows them to do formationally is it allows them to play you know, a standard 3-4 and still have a guy that's athletic enough to match guys in the slot to match tight ends to match backs out of the backfield which I don't know if they had last year or maybe in the last couple of years really since they traded Collins to Cleveland I'm not sure if they had that guy that allowed them to play more in like a base or even a nickel but you have Patrick Chung in the box instead of having him play like in the slot so they have a lot of those packages now what they're doing you know with Jonathan Jones at safety and they they're having the really what is a base personnel grouping and in Collins I think is really a big reason why. Next question is kind of a combo question from Mattia Rizzo all the way from Italy and Matt St. John. Now Evan, you mentioned on Twitter that both Isaiah Witt and Akil Harry are the guys you want to bring back from IR. What's sort of the reasoning for those selections? Well, I think that what we saw on Sunday starting, really both of the guys, it kind of talks about both of them, but I think Wynn is really a, a lock to me if he's healthy to come back. Listen, I think Marshall New has done a decent job filling in. It's certainly not an easy job that they're asking him to do to come play left tackle where on a team that he's really only been on for a couple of weeks when he was sitting on his couch for a lot of training camp, and then you just throw him right into the fire to go play left tackle and start at left tackle and play 75 snaps a game. You know, that's really a difficult thing to ask. So I think that with that, considering that, I think he's actually done a pretty solid job, seeing that he's really just been thrown into the fire here. But I think that with Win, it's just a whole different element. Not only his ability to pass protect, but also his ability to run block and having some of that more athleticism at left tackle so that they can get some of those outside runs going that they've really not been able to do very well. I think that's going to be really crucial, um, having Win, And I just think that that's, you know, he's the future at left tackle. 
And you got to get him on the field at some point. And he's got to stay on the field at some point. But more so, I think it's that you have to get him on the field at some point. And with Nikhil Harry versus James Devlin, I love James Devlin. He's a great guy. He's a great teammate. All these kinds of things. But at the end of the day, you need to be able to win on passing downs. And you need to be able to throw the ball in this league. And I think it would be borderline disappointing for me if they brought back a fullback over a first-round wide receiver. Now, obviously, if Nikhil Harry's not healthy enough to come back, that's a a whole other kind of element of this, is that ultimately the two guys that come back might be the two healthiest players at that point in the season when they do have to make that decision. But I think that Nikhil Harry is a guy that, kind of like Josh Gordon, just gives you another man-to-man mismatch. Even though his route running wasn't so great in in training camp and definitely has some uh, work to do at the top of the route in particular just his ability to win contested catches and really be a nightmare kind of mismatch player and then also I think once they get to scheming with him on the field his ability to create after the catch and some of the bubbles the space that Josh McDaniels can get him into and get him to be able to be a ball carrier and beat defenses that way. He's just a weapon, and the Patriots right now need another weapon. They they, they do, and I, I think that right. we want to look out there and say, like, oh, let's go trade for A.J. Green or let's go trade for Stephon Diggs, and I really think that, you know, as great as it would be to get either of those players, I really yeah. think it, Nikhil Harry is kind of the most real, obviously the most realistic option to add another weapon. It's kind of like you know, a lot of teams around the league have, like, that thing that they're keeping in their back pocket. And I almost kind of think that Nikhil is the thing that the Patriots are keeping in their back pocket right now. So to build it off that question, Evan, Jakob Johnson, I was impressed with what he did on Sunday. I know yeah. you highlighted some of his plays on Twitter as well. Do you think that if Devlin can't come back and we're wondering about his status, he could be a suitable fill-in for Devlin, the international player? Yeah, I think that's a huge part of the reason why I've kind of gone towards Nikhil and Isaiah Wynn as the two guys to return is because Jakob Johnson, you know, he's not going to be as good as Devlin. I don't think that he, I think he's as physical as Devlin and maybe a little bit faster than Devlin, but he doesn't, he's not as physical in the sense of like when he doesn't have that full speed of steam, he's not as like thick and well built as Devlin is. Mm-hmm. to handle some of the bigger guys especially like when they write to run like those fullback wham concepts and he's gonna have to crack a defensive yeah. end or a defensive tackle he's not as thick as Devlin is to take on those responsibilities but he is a little bit more athletic than Devlin is and I think the biggest thing is and Devlin talked about it with me last year is that the hardest part about playing fullback is adjusting to the blocking to the uh, d- defense after the ball is snapped Right. Like, you know where you're supposed to hit kind of when the ball is snapped. Everybody, of course, has like a role in the blocking scheme. You know, who's the mic, that kind of stuff. But once the ball is snapped, things can change. And what we saw on Sunday is that Jakob on that counter play that I put on Twitter, he changed kind of where he was supposed to go on that play and read the defense and read what was happening in front of him and was able to adjust and make that block and open up that hole for Sony. So if Jakob Johnson can give them those 18 to 20 snaps like he did on Sunday and allow them to go 21 personnel and run the ball and be a power team every once in a while, I, I think that that's plenty for what they need with James Devlin. And I'm not trying to pick on James Devlin, but 
if you go and you look at the stats with Devlin on the field versus without him on the field, you'd be surprised to find that they're actually not that good of a 21 personnel team. Like last really? year, especially, they were at, uh, below zero EPA team. They were a negative EPA team uh, in 21 personnel, both throwing the ball and running the ball. So they were not gaining any points from running that 21 personnel package, which is obviously shocking, I think, to a lot of people. Right because that was their bread and butter in a lot of ways last year. So I think that that formation and that grouping and Devlin on the field and all that kind of stuff, statistically, it's not being backed up right now as being overly efficient for the Patriots. Here's another question from Mattia Rizzo, again, all the way from Italy. What is the identity of the offense this season, or at least right now, and has your perception of the offense of what they can do change from the preseason today? And you might have sort of touched on that, the idea that this was a 21-personnel team last year. Maybe it really isn't, and we were just kind of sort of misguided by the success they had with that down the stretch. Yeah, I think that that's a really good point, is that this year, this offense is going to run through the backs and the wide receivers, and I think their identity is kind of that multiplicity, right? That ability to put two backs on the field or four wide receivers on the field and be a little bit different than they have been in years past where they've had two tight ends or the fullback or whatever the case may be. This year, I think they're going to be more of a spread team for a lot of the you know majority of the game and really only put those heavy personnel groupings. They went two tight ends once. They had some of those 6-0 line packages that they started to run on Sunday, and they obviously had some of the fullback stuff with Jakob in the game a little bit on Sunday too. But at the end of the day, push come to shove, when it was 3rd and 10, they were putting either the two running back pony set with the three receivers, no tight ends on the field, 20 personnel, zero tight ends on the field, or they were going 10 personnel and they were going four wide. And that, I think, is kind of the new the new Patriots offense. In a lot of ways, I kind of like it because it, it puts a lot more speed on the field. And you see teams like the Rams, for example, with Sean McVay. He's kind of discovered that we can put wide receivers in tight end splits and we can be more athletic in those spots than if we had a tight end there, or at least faster. I don't know. Some of these tight ends are freakishly athletic. But at least faster. And you still can get done what you need to get done and I think that Josh Gordon allows the Patriots to do a lot of those things too because he's such a big guy that can handle inline blocking duties or at least perimeter inline blocking duties. I'm not going to say he's going to put his hand in the ground anytime right. soon, but he can at least you know be reduced to the formation and be able to block a little bit on the perimeter and give them some sort of a physical presence there. Next question comes from Hazifa Patel, and he wants to know, what's the best answer you've ever gotten from Bill Belichick? So that's a good question. I would say that there's two answers that I can think of off the top of my head that were both really good. The first one was last year. I asked him about the advantages of a fullback and why the Patriots like to use a fullback. And he went into a spiel about how when you play, when you don't have a fullback and you just have guys on the line of scrimmage as the, as the designated blockers, in order to build a surface that's maybe a three-man surface or a four-man surface to the left or right of center, you got to pull somebody across the ball. And his point was just that with the fullback, he's 
in the backfield and he can go either direction pretty easily and you have the ability to build those services a little bit quicker and from a little bit different angles so you're not trying to pull like a backside guard or pull the tight end or you know have him sift or something like that across the formation constantly which is a little bit you know just a different look but he did mention that you know you can get it done no matter what way you do it you know you can get it done with a tight end you can get done with a fullback but i was thought it was really interesting how we talked about building surfaces you know having three guys on one side of center versus two or three or four or whatever the numbers game might be so i think that was a really cool answer that he gave and uh and i'll probably go with that one i mean i think he's given me a lot of really good answers over the you know the last year i i think that his and you ask him X's and O's and you ask him about formations or scheme or whatever the case may be, even situational football things, he mm-hmm. gives a lot better answers than I think people expect because all the bad ones are the ones that always make you know the TV and stuff like that. Right. Well, fantastic, Evan. We'll get you out of here on this one. I don't know if you've had a chance to watch much, if any, of Washington, but do you have any sort of early thoughts on what the Patriots can expect this upcoming week? I know Belichick was just on a conference call with Washington reporters, and John Kime, for example, came off thinking, oh, man, I think Washington's 3-1 and after hearing Belichick talk about this team. But do you have any sort of early thoughts on Washington? Yeah, that that's typical Belichick, right? I mean, even when right. he played Miami a few weeks ago, he acted like the Dolphins had talent all over the roster, I think is what he said. And uh, and everybody just kind of sat there and, and laughed a little bit. I think the things that the Redskins do have, though, first of all, I'm a huge, as I'm sure everybody is at this point, Terry McLaurin fan. Yeah. I mean, he's just yeah. an excellent player. And uh, I'm kind of bummed that he's not on the Patriots, to be honest with you, because he's just, he's just a really, really good player. But uh, in terms of their defense, I actually think that they have some pieces on this defense, and especially in the front seven, I'm not I'm not going to pull a full Belichick here and say that they have talent all over the field on defense. Right. But uh, you know, Ryan Kerrigan, Montez Sweat, Jonathan Allen, some of these guys can play. You know, Kerrigan is definitely one of the better pass rushers in the league. That's a little bit underrated because he's not on a very good team right now. But I think the biggest thing is, is who's going to start at quarterback, and I just don't know. If the Redskins want any hope in competing in this game, I don't see how they can start Dwayne Haskins. I mean, what, right. I was curious what you saw from Dwayne Haskins. I mean, I studied him, you know, after, you know, when that tape came out, he was slow with his decisions. I mean, like you would pretty much expect from a rookie quarterback in inserted mid-game. Like, he was unsure of himself. He was slow with his reads. He was slow with his decisions. He's got a great arm, and I, I liked him from a mental standpoint coming out. And I know we sort of talked about that a bit, you know, on the offseason, pre-drafted stuff. But yeah. it, it's still not there yet. And, you know, the arm is great. The mental stuff can get there, but... That would be a tough ask. I do sort of expect, you know, being down here in the D.C. area, there's a lot of murmuring that if Colt McCoy is healthy, he's going to go. And I think Gruden would probably want to do that because, let's face it, taking Dwayne Haskins and throwing up him up against this Patriots defense the way they're playing right now and the things they can do, that's a recipe for disaster, I think. Yeah, and I, I agree with you uh, with everything that you said. I think that ha- the interesting thing about Haskins – is that everybody kind of wanted them to throw him, wanted them to start him, really, right. to start the season because they were like, this is a lost season for Washington. What are you doing? And the coaching staff just kept on saying, he's not ready, he's not ready, he's not ready. And then he gets out yeah. there and he's clearly not ready. Yeah. So every once in a while, these coaches know what they're talking about. And, you know, they, they actually see these guys on a regular basis. I saw a thing with Jay Gruden uh, last week 
where he goes and he breaks down the plays, kind of like how Belichick does it with the right. illustrator. But yep. he was like giving out terminology and everything too. It was pretty cool. So uh, yeah, he he seems like such a smart guy. I just don't know if he's the right guy in Washington anymore. Yeah, I'm not sure he is. He's a fantastic offensive mind. Like if you study their offense conceptually, they do a lot of really interesting things and they could really put stress on the secondary on the safeties in particular a lot of their route concepts really come together nicely i think look we're looking at him as the offensive coordinator for the ravens next season i, th- I mean the raiders next season i think that's what's probably going to end yeah. up but evan fantastic stuff man can't thank you enough please remind everybody where they can find you and your great work absolutely so you can follow me on twitter at easy lazar l-a-z-a-r and uh, clnsmedia.com that's where you can find all the written work and uh, the CLNS Media YouTube page as well. We do a bunch of videos down at Gillette during the week and on game day. So go check that out. And, uh, yeah, we'll be down there all week this week. And then we're headed to D.C. this weekend. And uh, maybe we'll see you down there. Sounds good, buddy. Looking forward to it. That will do it for episode 22 of the SCO Show. I will be back tomorrow, episode 23. We're going to have Mark Bullock on from The Athletic DC. He's going to talk about the Washington Redskins and what to expect from them. Again, that will do it for today. I will be back tomorrow. Until then, please do keep on blessing that Patriots reign. Peace.